Okay, take a look at your Chut Shani in front of you on page one. It's in Kairos Shlita. We are trying to figure out a second Mahalach in the challenge of figuring out how to best be Mekayim, keep it of aim through the eyes of Chayyadam and the Sefer Charedim. Chayyadam Paskins this halach l'maisa, so it's not just a nice Muslim and a nice Machshava. And that is that besides the actual physical acts of kibbut of aim that you do, and the issues of murder that you try to avoid being seisid devreim and sitting in their seat, uh, we didn't get, by the way, to the small subtopic of calling them by their name. So I didn't forget about it. I hope to cover it in the next couple of weeks. Uh, that is an issue, especially when we have an interesting time trying to figure out what a common name is, what a shame shalpeli is. So we'll get to that. And these are finite practical things, both in the Kibbut and the murder side, what to do, what not to do. And then you come to the Chayadam, and he says you also have to have Ava for your parents, and you have to look at them as Gedele and Chashuve Ha'am, people that are super Chashuv. And the good news is they are. The other news is that it's a little challenging if you live in a city with only three people, you, your mother, and your father, then it's pretty easy if you don't know anybody else. If you live in uh, New York and you have access, or you live anywhere else and you have access to uh, knowing people or seeing people, and you know tens of thousands of people, so then how do you honestly look at them as chashuve ha'am? You have to be, have to be honest also. So. We already saw Chaim Shalevit says that you should try to focus on one meter, two meters, things they excel in, that the Taka have, everybody has their forte, and things that they do stick out in a positive way, head and shoulders among other people. That can be challenging also, but it's easier than looking at them in the totality of the picture as the Chashuve Ha'am. That was Mahalach number one. Mahalach number two, which the Chut Shani brings up, which is not a steer to the first one, is that you have a situation where somebody gave you life. We debated last week, okay, the Gemara Ervin, maybe it's better we shouldn't be born, and it's challenging, and uh, some children on a bad day or a bad week say, I didn't ask to be born, and this wasn't uh, my plan. Uh, Lamaisa, I wouldn't do this with your kids, but if you ever find a person that says, I'm angry I shouldn't have been born, ask him if he wants to try the alternative. Usually you'll get a no. So... Why is that? Because once they're here, they want to cling on for a dear life, and rightfully so. As the Maskandagamar and Ervin is, that once we're here, we should make the best of it, and every second of life is valuable. They gave you that life. So what's the difference he's going to suggest, and we're going to look at this inside again. What's this mean? Somebody who saved your life or somebody who gave you life? Somebody who saved your life doesn't have to be naturally from the Cheshuv Am, but you're going to treat him as the Chashuve Am and as a uh, superhero almost. And you're going to look at them and look for Milas. If you don't find Milas, you don't have to find Milas. You're going to respect them and be in awe of them just because they saved your life. And therefore his application is saved your life, gave you life. It doesn't make a difference. They gave you life. They supported you. They nurtured you. They cared about you. They did a perfect job. They didn't do a perfect job. It's irrelevant. Unless, again, the very sad scenario, as you raised last week, of the Mamzer and the other ones who... Ramam still passes as a chi of Kibbutz and Yira, and 
you have to try your best to understand uh, Bashert, and if they did tshuva, certainly even the Ramah agrees that it's a of kibud. If you can't get rid of the emotional baggage and it's too painful and you can't function, this taka patur like any other patur of Anuslachamadapatri, but that shouldn't be overused, shouldn't be underused either, but it shouldn't be overused. And with that, we will get back to the Chutshani in the second column. Let's start with the second line. Amnam. On page one, Yesh Hagashas Hashivas below Lachashev, and Yesh Bamailas Elu, if a person gave you life, saved your life, supported you, you don't really have to start thinking about how Hashav they are. Mamesh also Kafaka, Zuya Vedish, Adam Salavatul, as Atzma Lahirov, Afilu Im Humavin Yeser, even if he thinks he knows more, which is often the case depending on the age, or he really knows more. Af Shaheim Bamasav Shaheim Behem Das. Very important, we're going to get into this in the Chulis von Hogus, uh, probably later on in the week. Even if right now they have no das or less das, or they have no das because they're not even conscious. It doesn't make a difference. There's the full kibud. It's not because they're actually better than you now, and it's not even that they're, they were better than you at all. It's the fact that they gave you something, like life and the nurturing and the food and all the other things they did for you. Or they don't understand him. To the extent, even if they don't treat him so nicely, again, where it's something they could handle on most days and it's not making them into Shivrei Kalim. I keep saying that disclaimer. Again, if you make a mistake in either direction, if it's underutilized, it could be a sakana for the child. If it's overutilized, it could be a cop out. So there's got to be a happy medium. And they come, the Gemara's example, ripping the clothing, spitting on him, embarrassing him. And uh, it should be met with quiet and certainly not making a tumult and not giving it back. Saved your life? Saved you in a situation you in a pickle or saved you financially? What difference does it make? And saving financially, by the way, is not as great as saving somebody's life even though it's a wonderful chesed. Um, the last example, I think a lot of people would have tremendous covet and year from the person for the rest of their lives remembering what happened. If they don't, they have to check on their basic levels of akar satayv, which is what this mitzvah is all about. There are people who, what have you done for me lately? But that's not the right approach. I remember uh, seeing two people, won't get too many details here, but you could probably, you're not going to figure out who it is anyway, because it was not good to so many people. Two people were in the camps together. Concentration camps, not Aguda. Uh, like the real, uh, and the Nebuch, they were, they both went through a lot, they both survived. And one was instrumental in saving the other one. They weren't family members, they were just friends. And I didn't know that, and I saw the relationship for many years. I couldn't understand. Ruvain would go out of his way, almost like worship Shimon, and give him covered in Yira. And I'm just example. I knew both of them. I couldn't understand. Like, why? If anything, I would have said maybe Fakert. In terms of their present chashivas, what I was looking at, I didn't understand what was making this whole relationship tick. And then years later, somebody happened to mention, oh, yeah, they were in the camp together, and there was a, I understood everything. But that, so this, this muscle, I've seen in action, and it wasn't because he even did anything for him lately. But the fellow was a, a firm person with good midas, and uh, he understood our Satayv is not a year later, two years later, a thank you note, a present, a gift. It's 50 years later. This was 50 years later, more than 50 years later. And, uh, and it stuck like it happened yesterday. So 
If you, uh, if you need a muscle, that's a powerful muscle to remember. And a taka, um, in terms of the actual chashivas, the relationship would have been the other way around. The person who was saved will always look at himself as subservient, whether he's greater or not. Uh, another example that comes to mind, uh, this is the uh, more positive application of the word uh, camp. It's actually school, but it was a campity type thing in school. I uh, know somebody who was in ninth grade in an out-of-town yeshiva. This story goes back to the 1950s, maybe even further. And I was once talking to him, and I mentioned a name of somebody who happens to be a, a Rebbe in a very Hoshiv yeshiva. And he said, you know him? I said, yeah, he's, he's a father of somebody I know. He says, oh, he mamish saved my life. So I'm trying to do the math. He's not old enough to have gone through the concentration camps. So I say, to save your life, where I... You know, these stories will be needed for the Chut Hashani in another 20 years. So uh, I said, where did he save your life? He said, we were in ninth grade together. So I said, okay, I'm trying to think like quickly, like ninth grade, some of them are more challenging than others. Like, where? So I figured maybe he's a, he was in trouble. I said, where were you? He named the yeshiva, pretty safe standard yeshiva. I, didn't, I don't think there's any school violence there. Uh, so I said, what happened? He said, I was a short, scrawny kid. I was looking at him, he's still short and thin. Uh, this conversation, he was in his late 60s at the time. And uh, this person, this Rebbe and this Rosh uh, Masifta is attacking home, is um, six foot three and uh, he's a big guy. He said, as a ninth grade, I came and the freshies uh, always get a little bit of a chappering here and there. And uh, the 10th graders, 11th graders, this is my first two weeks were miserable. And a child who's not doing well socially in yeshiva could be a little dangerous for their ruchnias, sometimes for their gashmias, mostly for their ruchnias. And he was miserable. And one day, this guy who was in 12th grade came over to a couple of the, I guess, sophomores who were bothering him because they went through this last year. And he, they tapped him, he tapped him on the shoulders and he said, if I see you near him again, you guys are going to be in big, big trouble. He said he was not only not bothered again, he was a celebrity in the yeshiva, because this 12th grader was on the yeshiva basketball team, 1950s, and he was a star already, he was a star center, and like, his word, like, had the Shemayim opened up, and uh, there would have been a baskol, that would have been the only thing that would trump what happened that day. And he said it changed my whole masifta, he saved my life. Is that wouldn't have been, I was, uh, so... He heard the name, he heard I knew him, and he was like, you know him? <laughs> he had the, and that happens to be in this case. He's a very chosh of a yid. He's not, he rather did not get into the NBA. He's a Rosh Hashiva uh, today. And, uh, and uh, he, um, he uh, I wouldn't have imagined, he's uh, now in his uh, probably early 80s, early 70s. So I, when I met him at the next Simcha, the associate family member, distant, uh, I said, you know, I bumped into so-and-so. He said, uh, I don't want to say the name. He says, last name? His first name is a very common name. So he said, yeah. He said, yeah, I remember him from Masifta. I said, I heard about it. I said, do you know that he, Mamish, like, almost uh, worships the ground? <laughs> you walk on rightfully so. He said, you know, curse the type. He said, I think he overdid a little bit. I just went over to some guys I mentioned with one sentence. I said, you have no idea what you did. So here we have, he happens to be very harsh of anyway, but his respect, 
50 years later, didn't, uh, didn't change. So we have to look at parents like that, and we don't. We said, oh, well, I don't know, my parents didn't save me in ninth grade. I was picked on a little bit, and they didn't do what they do for me lately. What did they do lately? They got you in ninth grade. They paid all the tuition. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Fed you every day and uh, took care of all your problems. So we feel very, uh, like I've heard from various children ages 12 to 52, like, uh, yeah, everybody does that. It's that natural need to give. <laughs> That's insane. That's like, and this must be a building block for Hakash Baruch Hu, the relationship with us, and Hakash stuff to Hakash Baruch Hu. If anybody says, "Yeah, Hakash Baruch Hu created us, He's got to help us out," that's like fear. But that's what this is. Anybody who thinks like that, they say, "Yeah, they didn't do such a good job." And one time, I didn't get what I wanted, and so you have to look at them as they saved your life. So now we have uh, two good, uh, two good stories to remember. That yes. Doesn't the Rambam say that that Hashem, as a mitzvah, has. Yes, yes, the Ramchal does say that, but it doesn't make a difference because that's to answer the question, why did Hashem create us? Why did he put us straight into Olam Haba? And the Ramchal says that he couldn't, quote-unquote, Hashem could do whatever he wants because if we go straight to Olam Haba over free lunch, and we don't like free lunches even though everybody thinks they do, and we won't be happy because we've got to work for it. So why did Hashem create us in a way we're only happy if we work for something? The answer is because he wanted to be Tzalem Elokim to be close to Kosh Baruch Hu, you have to be similar to Kosh Baruch Hu. Kosh Baruch Hu can only give, he can't take by definition because he can't give a Kosh Baruch Hu anything. That's that Ramchal. So of course, a Kosh Baruch Hu, if he wants to be made to, can only do it this way. And the deeper understanding, which uh, as life's, life's going ups and downs, it's hard to see when it's a down, is that if you work through this, this is better for you and you're going to come out a winner. So um, everybody understands that when it comes to Gashmias, when it comes to Panasa, when it comes to uh, sports. Did you ever hear a guy complain about uh, uh, working out and uh, having uh, a thousand hours of practice before every game and they're sweating and running all over the place and working? Did you hear, did you hear your kids complain about they had a rough day at recess today because they were uh, practicing and working out? No, nobody says that. Why is that? Because uh, it's a labor of love. So. The Kibbutz of Aim, Hashem in general, and Kibbutz of Aim in particular, in this case, has to be a labor of love, even though not everything is perfect. That's his point. First one is Eibichachem. Amnesha Klape Atayva Shasima Hu Batol Klapov Zeshakas V'Chayadam Zeikir Hakibud. This is the main theme of Kibbutz of Aim. What you do with it, Lamaisa and servicing them, is the result of your Machshav and how you view them. Neshu Asherish Letzivu Atayra BeKibbutz Amara Avi VeImay. And the exercise to keep it of aim is to feel this way in your relationship with Akash Baruch Hu, that you can't do enough for Akash Baruch Hu, and you want to do mitzvahs because you love Akash Baruch Hu. It's for all the good that you have. And it starts with Birch Zashacha. Birch Zashacha, by the way, it's unfortunate because it happens to be in the morning. That's why it's called Birch Zashacha. But it's one of the most uh, trampled upon parts. If you just have a coffee five minutes earlier, Birch Zashachar is so exciting. You get to break down every single step. And there was a minig, it's not the minig now. There used to be, is a, and you sat up, and when you stood up, it's okay. Every step of the way to thank Hashem for all the component parts. If you were just awake enough to uh, understand that, it could be a very exciting part of Tfilah. did for us and is continuing to do for us. And we know that if, besides the fact that Hashem is, of course, infinitely greater than everybody put together, but 
our Akaras HaTayv should dictate Asiyas Mitzvahs. V'zeh Masha Hishvaza Torah Kibbet HaVeim L'Kibbet HaMokam. That's why the Torah says, Yimachabadem, like the Kibbet HaMokam, which the Gemara keeps repeating, Asha'amru Gimel Shutzim Heim Ba'odam HaKosh Baruch HaOviv Imoi, B'zman Sha'odam HaChabed HaOviv HaZimoi, Oma HaKosh Baruch HaMalani Yalem, Ki'ilu Daiti Benem V'chibduni. And the flip side, the negative side, if you're not being mechabit the parents and you're not practicing uh, kibbutz and yira, Kosh Baruch said, I'm happy I'm not around because it would be a bizillion for me. So it actually drives away the shechina. Kibbutz of Aim brings more of the shechina. It's a favorite shechina. That's not, you don't have to look in the Sephardim condition for that. The more kibbutz of Aim is going on, the more you have kilu darti benehem. So that's a, a value added, as we call it aspect of this besides doing the mitzvah because it's from the Tariyag and it's part of Aseris Adibris. Take a look at page two. Practical application. Same author, Chut Shani. And going Lishitosai. The bracket in the first column. V'kan amokam la'erer. Just to bring up something. As I mentioned, we started with this a year ago. And the next few weeks we're going to be trying to emphasize the more challenging aspects. Kan amokam la'erer al There are children... When I said children, it just doesn't mean teenagers and young adults. They're children in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s who struggle with this. This is not something that necessarily gets easier, although we'd hope if people get more mature, they're getting a handle on it. A lot of people are good at kibbutz when they're physically attending to parents and trying to help them and bring them food and and do all the things that are very clear-cut and servicing. The murder of Aim, which is the second part of the Pusik, uh, the other Pusik, is spelled out in the first few Sifim, in Simon Reish Mem, and it means you cannot argue unless they ask for your opinion. And you cannot uh, sit in their chair and standing in their place is the only thing in murder that's kept by everybody because it's easy. Why would you want to? Who has the Yates of her to sit in their parents' chair? So that, that is kept, Baruch Hashem. Standing up, not so much. We have miyash of that. The parents are meichel. But they're not necessarily meichel, the arguments, even though they learn to make do with it and they try not to be ever and live naiver and they try to look the other way. But that's the parents' business. What? The sitting or standing in a place of pine shul, the Yeah, the Machaber says sitting in their makam or standing in the makam where they speak to their friends besides the Canaan. So picture a huddle of three or four very hush of a gentleman who have their makam where they always stand and schmooze, not in the shul, of course, but in the entrance to the coffee room and the entrance to the shul in the parking lot. And that's where they always thought. And then the son's like standing around and he goes with his friend and says, you know, this is a great spot. And he's going to start staying there. So that's, that's an iser of murder. So this is his spot. Now, again, you have to know what your kids are holding and you have to practice looking the other way and turning a, turning a blind eye sometimes also. But if it happens once by mistake, so the father wants to talk to his friends, let him go to the other side of the parking lot. Happens night after night, that's an example. It's not that common. How often do other people have places that Dafka stand? So that's why it's really relegated now to where they sit. And that's one seat in the kitchen, one seat in the dining room. And often, by the way, the kitchen doesn't have a set seat because the father is usually not home because he goes to work and comes home straight to night seder and stays for bolshirm and can't even get home. We were just speaking about that. So by the time he comes home, the kids have eaten and half the time they're asleep. But a dining room table, Shabbos and Yontif. And for that, it's pretty obvious. There's a seat... One seat at the head of the table in most communities. Won't get into that. Uh, and it's very clear where the father is uh, sitting. And um, 
I think that's still Kedush Kedushim, Baruch Hashem. It's an easy mitzvah. Why would you want to sit down there? So I don't know if many, there are many cases left with a father standing in a specific spot, but if there is... Yes, so shtender is, yeah. Shtender is like a seat unless you ask him once and he says, please do. Which, by that, I don't know, is the shtender by his seat? Because then, probably not. I think we don't stand up anymore too much even though it's a key mitzvah, even if it's Michael, I think that should not be given away so quickly, unless it's so tight and the kids are masmid and he wants them to be able to stand the standard. You have to, there aren't that many aspects of Mary that we still have, besides the main din of arguing, which he's going to discuss now. So I don't know how quickly it's Kadai to give that away. That's not, um, uh, we're already Michael on most things, and, and same thing about sitting in the, uh, sitting in the seat. It's, it's, it's left to Shabbos and Yantif. I don't think we should give it away so quickly. So, Khan, let's go to the top line. Khan, Makam Lair, Al Shiyashan, Banama, Banashanim, Samalev, Kokakhlet, Sivia, Teral, Mur, Avivimai, Belayista, Dvarv. We live in a society where we have free speech, so everything that pops into our mind we feel we have to say. It usually runs into Sicha Batela, Bithotera, Lashanhara, Matishemra, Onaz Devarm. There's a lot of reasons why you should think before your mouth goes into gear. Uh, you have to think twice when the parents are the ones on the opposite side of the conversation. Unless they are asking for your opinion, uh, soliciting, or it's self understood that this is going to be a conversation. Um, a good example. Cholamoid uh, trip. That I think I would be maker with. The minig is, is that the family discusses uh, with a lot of zrizus um, and high pitched, uh, fever pitched uh, opinions. And usually the minigas, they discuss it for about six hours every Cholamoid morning, and then around two o'clock in the afternoon, they go somewhere. And usually at that point, it's just the Bronx Zoo and the free day, and um, wherever else you can get to at three o'clock. So, is that okay? Well, the parents say we're going somewhere and the kids start whining, oh, we went there seven years ago. We remember we did there, been there, done that. So that's La Yista Dvarv. So I'm just suggesting, maybe it's too much of a kula, is that, okay, it's a Cholomite trip. The point is, the Chiv Dereis is some the family. I think perhaps maybe children should be able to voice an opinion over there. Uh, call me new-fashioned, but not the spoiled aspect like, oh, what do you mean? We're, uh, we're flying to San Diego today? We did that already two years ago. Like, there's a point where they just, whatever you do is not enough and it keeps raising the bar. That, you have to put your foot down. So, you got to figure out whatever you do, you're going to be leaving three hours late and they're going to be complaining in the car, are we there yet? And on the way back, they're going to be discussing or fighting with each other. So, whatever you do, it's not, my car is, by the way, very tranquil and there's nothing going on. This is not to impinge uh, any of the children at home, but there already you're doing something for them, so then ask their opinion. But, comes a point where the children are uh, taught uh, that uh, children today feel they should be in every discussion and uh, voicing their opinions. That part is not so pushed. So, there'll be two more lines and then we'll continue tomorrow night. Again, even if the parents are not the even if the children think the parents are making a mistake, even if they are making a mistake, it doesn't give you license to argue. Now, with that, we're going to discuss this at length tomorrow, but the parents, you know, this is talking to the children and us, and if we have parents, uh, we should still exercise this with caution. The parent side of the coin is that they should be Michael to the extent and not make a big deal every time the kids argue because this is a difficult Nisayan, but there comes a point where if you don't, make some demarcation lines, it gets worse and worse and worse, and they end up, everything is a 
screaming and yelling match, and that you can't do, and it's a serious issue besides the dysfunction of the family. Okay, that's a shamble. Thank you.